0: so after looking at the response to last podcast I realized that I might need to do much uh, something like a follow-up because a I just kind of glazed over the storyline with my ex-lover and b I didn't really give the different stages of dating a person like that so I figured I could come back and I could do that. Plus, a lot of people were reaching out to me, which I thought was interesting. It just received a lot of traffic. And for those who were concerned, I'm fine. Um, Like I said, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I haven't had any communication with that particular person in the last year. And as a matter of fact, right about now would make it exactly one year that we have not spoken to each other. And I'm just fine with that. I don't have any um, disdain or disgust in my heart. It's just one of those things where you move on and you move forward and you appreciate the experience so that you know what to look out for in the future. So that being said, I want to talk about the three main stages of dating someone like that um, or dealing with someone like that because it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be dating them. You could be dealing with a narcissist in your life that's a friend, you could be dealing with someone that is a parent, um, an acquaintance, whatever the case may be, I'm going to fill you in on the three main stages. Now there's lots of information out there on the internet and books. I personally learned my information through psychology. It was my minor. So this is me just kind of doubling back from what I learned. But also, you know, I touched up on some things um, after I actually experienced it because it it truly is a different world of an experience when you do experience it. So the three stages of dating a narcissist are the, um, it's the idealization phase, AKA love bombing. It is the devalue phase and then the discard phase. So let's start with stage number one, idealization. So I kind of talked about this. I kind of summarized what it was like in that phase, but I didn't understand that's what it was. You don't really realize you're in that part until you get to like the second part, which is the devalue part. So... The idealization phase comes in like a whirlwind. It is literally like you just meet this person and your world is just on fire. I don't have any other way to put it other than it's just a whirlwind. It's like a tornado that's literally set ablaze. So whenever she came into my world, it was, like I said, about August, late August of um, 2018 at the time. And we, like I said, we just, we just started talking to each other. Like I I reached out to her because she was on my blog at the time and she was um, sharing a lot of things. And I was just like, oh yeah, I remember you. So when we started talking, it was cool or whatever. It wasn't really anything serious to me because in my world, if I converse with you on something like a blog, website, or something of that nature, like, if I've never met you, I'm probably, I probably don't have the greatest intention of carrying this conversation on anywhere else. But as I remembered, like, once I started talking to her, she was the type of person that really liked to have really in-depth in um, deep discussions. Um, And I just don't see how you do that over Tumblr or whatever, like, I don't see how you do that through a bunch of texts, like, I'm not really sure how people do this, um, like, if, if, if you've ever watched, like, Catfish or anything, people really be out here having, like, whole relationships through text messages, and I just don't know how that's a thing, I don't understand that. Now, having a pen pal is one thing. That's a different type of relationship, I feel like. But to have an entire relationship with someone through just text or, you know, through just messages, um, not having the the privilege to hear their voice or if you can, I don't understand how, you know, you would pass that up if it's an option. So, you know, we, we communicated and it was cool. But I was just getting tired of constantly having to read these very long, drawn-out messages on Tumblr, um, or trying to have a real conversation through Tumblr because sometimes it would notify you, sometimes it wouldn't, like, you might get the notification three days later or something, like, it was very inconsistent at the time. I've hoped that they worked out the kinks since I've left the site, um, But I remember one day just being like, you know what? We could just, you know, exchange numbers. Like, it's really okay. Because I'm the type, I don't care if you have my phone number. Ultimately, you know, I have the jurisdiction to say I don't want to talk to you or I do want to talk to you. Um, Not a problem. So I, uh, we exchanged numbers and we started texting from there and talking and it was fun. It was good. It was fun. Um, we had good conversation and I would say at that point, it was more like just her being super interested in me as a person, just because she was a fan of my, my work of my, my art and my craft and all that. And the more she got to know me, the more she was intrigued. So as soon as she found out that I was an artist, you know, she was into that. And when she realized I was a poet, well, she knew I was a poet already. She was already into that. Um, and the more she found out about me creatively, the more she was just like super, super intrigued. I personally am used to that when it comes to, uh, meeting new people and then realizing that I am a creative being. And not only am I creative that I have the accolades to back it up. So I don't necessarily talk about my accolades. A lot of times people will find out about them on their own. Some like one way or another, or because of whatever, um, you know, whatever organization I'm working with at the time, um, it just kind of (laughs) naturally comes out. I have kind of a few, a few things under my belt. So when she would, she found out all these things, she was just like, oh, wow, like, okay, like, you know, like, you're amazing, you know, and to me personally, I don't, I don't even like for people to find that stuff out because I really am just chill, I really, you know, because if I really wanted to talk about the things that I accomplished, I would talk about them. I would have told you guys by now where you could find all the information. But that's not important. We're not going to focus on that. <laughs> so. Moving forward, after she got into that much, she was just all about me to the point where. You know, I was getting tired of texting, <laughs> like you know how somebody texts you so much, you're just like, "Can you just call me because this is too much um and I recall you know one day she finally called me, and that's when the phone conversations began, and those were okay, you know there was it was cool. she thought I was really funny, and um stuff like that, so it was natural for me, like, like oh like, okay, like you know we were texting now we're talking cool. Well, then it switched over to morning calls. And I talked about this. This is the this, the phase when things got really interesting to me because it went from, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship and I don't, you know, because I just got out of one. And I'm not really interested in any of that, blah, 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 to, oh, let me call you every single morning or let me call you every day, multiple times a day. Let me text you throughout the day. Let me tell you everything that I'm doing. Oh, I'm at this ramen place. You know, and like finally she started opening up about like her previous relationship. And me personally, I don't really inquire about previous relationships um, now. You know, now that I'm older, now that I'm more mature. I say that like I'm old. Like I'm not even 30 yet. But (laughs) she started to tell me more about her previous relationship. And... The things that she told me about it, I could tell she was trying to get me to like side with her like, "Oh, my past relationship was so bad and you know, uh, like she, you know, she didn't do this and she didn't do that and um you know, like I took care of her. Like it was clearly like she was trying to put herself on this pedestal like, "Hey, I was the hero. I I was the hero in that relationship and you know she hurt me and I'm the victim and at first I was just like man that's crazy because that's my reaction to most things (laughs) whenever I hear something like really wild I'm just like man that's crazy but something about it to me just felt kind of like "Eh." like anytime and I talked about this At the end of last week's podcast, anytime someone comes in and they're trying to tell you all these negative things about their ex, I feel like they're trying to paint a picture for you that makes them look like a saint. And that's not a good thing to me because complaining about ex is a natural thing. We all do it. We all have done it. But to like go in and just like nitpick apart what made your ex such a bad person, I feel like it doesn't really make your ex look bad. It makes you look bad because it's like, ultimately you chose to be with that person. So, you know, like, yeah, there were some bad qualities to some of my exes as well, but there was also some great qualities to them. And I, I tried to uplift them um, you know, like, yeah, I've definitely had my days when I've just been like, yo, I can't believe that she did this and da 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 Cause I have a couple of exes that have done some things that were like wild. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I know that they have some amazing qualities that made me stay. So for me, it was kind of weird to hear somebody, well, it wasn't weird, but it was, it was like a, a little red flag indicator to me that. All the things being told to me about her ex were like bad. They were just like bad, 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 bad. And I was just like, okay, hmm. like you can't stay with somebody for five years and then bash them the entire, like you can't just straight up bash them because at the end of five years and not act like you don't have any type of accountability. You have to hold yourself accountable for the fact that you were there. Uh, So Whatever. So that was one thing, you know, like she started telling me more about that. And I just was like, mm. but meanwhile, she was still doting on me. Like she was still lifting me up, putting me in this space that I really didn't deserve to be in because she had only been talking to me for like maybe a couple weeks at this point. You know, it wasn't like she had been in my life for a super long time. So it was kind of odd, you know, that we go from... um not really knowing each other to suddenly you know she wants to know like my life story and all this good stuff so that's the other part the love bombing phase or the idealization phase is also the part of this sequence whenever they ask you like a bajillion questions in my experience my ex lover asked me Pretty much everything. She asked me about my childhood. She asked me what did I do as a kid. Uh, What did I did I play sports? Was I what organizations was I involved in? Uh, What extracurricular activities did I take part in? Um, When did I start drawing? When did I start writing? You know, like she asked me so many things about my childhood and my life that were very personal. But it was the type of stuff that you would get to know from a person. Over time, Like it's not the type of stuff that you just kind of like dump all out in the first couple of weeks, you know. So for me, that was another little red flag indicator because I would share some stuff, but I would hold some stuff back and I would try to get her to open up to me about some of the same things. And she would just not do it. Like she would either change the subject or she would say, oh, um, I don't. What was it? I don't remember like whoa like she told me she didn't remember her childhood and I literally almost fainted I was just like how do you not remember your childhood to me that is major because that tells me that maybe you went through something major as a child and you're trying to block it out or blackout syndrome you don't want to remember it I don't know either way it's very alarming to me so <clears throat> we skate through September and October comes along, we meet, um, and I feel like after we met, even though our meeting was kind of weird to me, like there were some red flags all around. Like they were just flying, like, you know, because I was just like, Why are you doing that? There was just this one particular thing other than her like reaching across the table and like trying to like grope me in public. And I feel like that's something that she did as a means of control. And I didn't like it because one, people, okay. When you come from a healthy background, And I personally feel like I did, even though I was raised by a single mother, both of my parents were in my life. Um, You know, I spent most of my time with my mother, but my dad was also in my life. And for the most part, I had a very healthy childhood. You know, I was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. I... um, You know, like, I I just had a very balanced childhood. My mom was very nurturing. She was there. Yes, she worked. But, you know, when she was at work, I was either with my aunt or my, my grandmother or my dad or, you know, like, or my cousin. I had an older cousin that had kids that were, like, my age. So, like, all the way around, I had a very balanced lifestyle that, really did not have trauma in it. You know what I mean? Like it was just a good, healthy childhood. And, you know, I just had a good time growing up. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> so for me, it was it was like weird coming in and then having this person who clearly had a lot of trauma uh, from their childhood and she wasn't trying to talk about it. And it's not my place to make someone talk about their past you know what I'm saying like I'm not gonna force you to talk about something but when you start doing weird stuff that doesn't make any sense to me then I have to be like why are you like that you know so While we were out and about after dinner, after she was like trying to like reach across, she had no sense of boundaries. Like you just met me. We're out at dinner in this very public space full of people and you're trying to grab my breasts or you're, you know, like those are things that you shouldn't be doing. And especially when you first meet someone, Um, I'm not sure what type of person she thought I was, but if you've been entertaining someone for a while, um, you're not like I'm not trying to be your little like like I'm not trying to be your friends with benefits um so I'm not really sure what this is for you Uh, But also at the same time, I wasn't necessarily trying to date her either because she told me that she was not looking to get into a relationship because of the situation. So for me, it was just like, oh, like we're just going to meet up and we're just going to like, you know, meet each other in person and it's going to be cool. (laughs) Like, But no, 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 no. So one of the things that happened after dinner, after she had had several drinks, we were walking back to the hotel and she was walking behind me. And I thought it was very odd because I was like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just walk next to me? And she was just like, what? Like, stop looking back. Like, why can't you just follow directions? And I was like, follow directions? What are you talking about? There are no directions. We're walking down the street. And... I was just like you're weird (laughs) like and I kept stopping and I was just like why don't you just walk next to me because I don't know you like that yet like I just want to walk next to you until I can get back to this hotel where my car is parked (laughs) okay and she was like she was just really weird about it. Like, she was just, like, standing behind me like a weird stalker. Like, it was the strangest thing I had ever seen in my life. So, that was one of the red flags that I didn't discuss in last podcast. But the other thing was something that took place, like, once we got back to the hotel. And it was, again, it wasn't sexual. It was just, like, we were just sitting there, like, watching this movie. And she was, like, trying to, like, touch my arm or touch me. And whenever I would look at her, she would stop and she would be like what like don't look at me look at the show and i'd be like what why like why can't i look at you <laughs> like like what what kind of weird complex is that and that's what made me feel like she had been through some sort of trauma as a kid or something this is might this might have been what she blocked out i don't know and somebody did that to her in a dark room and then told them not to look at her or like to look at them rather and then you know she's doing that now to the next person and she thinks that's normal and it's not normal like that's you know it was very weird and it was very alarming so fast forward after that you know after the the time I spent with her then I seem to move up on the 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 totem pole for some reason like now i'm I'm really like the center of her attention, and now she's really like on it she wants she's sending me like Um, she's now connected with me on Instagram and she's connected with me on this Tumblr blog and she's got my phone number. Um, and turns out she found my Spotify playlist, some type of weird way. And she's listening to my playlist while she's on her way to work. And she's sending me memes on Instagram and she's, she's, um, texting me and on the phone and she's, you know, sending me different stuff on Tumblr. Like it's way too much. It's like overkill What's happening you know we go from having you know a mild little conversation to meeting to now you're just like infatuated and I didn't think that that would happen simply because she didn't really seem to be that interested in me in person she she just kind of had like this blank stare about her so the love bombing got really crazy in October and then around You know, November, like before November came in, she had already started planning trips because she liked to travel and she was saying, oh, we should go somewhere. We should go somewhere. And I'm just like, I don't really know you like that to be going somewhere with you. Like, nope, (laughs) like I didn't mind the idea of, you know, talking about these things. But obviously I'm a logical human being. I've only you've only been in my life in person for a few weeks now and I'm really not gonna go on a trip with you somewhere. I mean, if for some people that's fine, but for me it just made me uncomfortable like I just don't know you like that to be like, "Yeah, we should go to Cancun" or "Yeah, we should go to like the Bahamas, you know, whatever, whatever we do." So for me that was just weird. So this is when I started trickling over to the devalue stage so stage number two devalue okay now mind you I've been like at the top of the totem pole now for like over a month or a couple months or whatever and I'm just sitting up there trying to figure out why this girl or this woman is so intrigued by every little thing I do when the things I'm doing are not really that impressive not you know like I'm doing stuff but I'm not doing stuff that requires this type of response so I trickled over into the devalue stage when she would send me things about different trips and whatnot and flights and all this kind of stuff and she'd be like, Oh, let me get it. Let me get the ticket or I wanna do it. And and I'm like, nah, like I don't even know you like that for I wouldn't want you paying for my ticket. I don't know you that well. And I don't I don't wanna go out of the country with you like yet. I don't know you like that. So I think she felt offended because it was like what here I am giving you all this attention and all this affection and you're not reciprocating or you're not receiving my attention and my affection and when I'm doing so much for you um and that was something that she talked about with her ex as well it's just so now she starts to triangulate so now she starts talking about her ex even more like oh i don't i just don't want to take care of anybody i'm just not trying to take care of anybody i did that for x amount of years i don't want to do that again and i'm looking around like well who asked you to take care of me you offered to do these things i didn't ask you to do anything for me and i don't want you to do them and so that's when it started to get really weird Um, really bad really quick because once they go into the devalue stage you really can't get that back like you've pissed them off in some type of way and I realized that what I did that really pissed her off and I talked about this in the last podcast she would talk about sexual things so much to the point that it really just made me uncomfortable that I confronted her about it. And I told her, you know, I said, I understand that's your, you know, what you're into and that's cool and said, awesome, But for me, that's just not me. Um, it's not something that I want to talk about 24 seven. And I was like, sometimes I kind of feel like you talk about sex to avoid talking about more real topics or more interest, you know, more real things. And she didn't, she hated, like you could just tell like her whole demeanor changed. And she was just like, wow, I thought I could be myself with you. And da-da-da-da-da. like, suddenly, you know, it was my fault. Like, and I was like, well, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that you're doing anything bad. I'm just saying me personally, I don't like that. Like, I don't, I don't want to spend 24 seven talking about different positions and different this and different that, because that's not who I am. And she didn't like that. So that's when the devalue came in. So she started with the ignoring me and giving me the silent treatment. Um And when you're, too, you're you're too old to be doing that. Like when you're in your late twenties, <laughs> um, and up, you're too old to be giving anybody the silent treatment. Um, you know we are grown people with jobs here. This is not. This is not what we do. Okay, we pay bills around here. That's not what we do. So, she. Um, put me in the devalue phase, um, fairly quickly because, again, like I said, I came from this very healthy background in childhood. And, uh, it, it, when you come from a space like that, you understand what you're worth, you love yourself, and you're not going to tolerate anything that makes you uncomfortable, unhappy, um, or, you know, th- that just seems like, absurd so when I get when I hit the devalue stage she would say things she never called me out of my name she did that one good time and that was the first time we met and she did so playfully and I told her I said the one thing I'm not gonna be is a bitch and I'm definitely not your bitch and you know she was like oh well excuse me and you know we had to go ahead and nip that in the bud because I'm not that you will never call me out of my name. I don't care if you mean it playfully or whatever. I That is the one thing that I cannot handle, especially in a relationship. My mama did not raise me to be, you know, somebody's bitch. So she never called me out of my name after that. Uh, but I could tell that she didn't necessarily like it because I guess she felt like that was just her nature. But I do think that, the culture and the society has created a space where people are super comfortable with just being called out of their name. And it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, because then it's kind of like, well, what is the line to cross when you are in a relationship? You know, if you tolerate it every day, um, you know, it's just like the word nigga, you know, like if you tolerate it every day from your friends and family or whatever, what is the line to cross in a relationship? You know? So, the devalue phase for me was really interesting and I picked up on it immediately because she was, like I said, she was very like, like everything that she was doing, the calling, the texting, the sending the different memes in the post and, um, you know, sending sweet little good morning messages. And she even had like a calendar that would like a motivational calendar that would send me notifications every morning um all of that stuff just ceased just like that like it was just gone and I was just like damn (laughs) and at the end of like a week I would say she FaceTimed me and I talked about this last week and she was just kind of like you know it was clear that she wanted an apology from me um, and I apologize for how it came out, but not necessarily for what I said. You know, it I, I felt the way that I felt and, you know, it was my opinion. And I apologized if it offended her, but I did not apologize for what I said. From that point forward, it was not the same. Trust me, buddy. So we began to have these little quarrels and we would have these like disagreements that were based on nothing really because now we're kind of creeping into the holiday season and I'm I'm not super family oriented but when I'm around my family I'm I'm in the mix like I'm not communicating I'm not on my phone my phone is somewhere anywhere but it's not with me and you know like cuz my family is very we're, we're tight knit for the most part, you know, like we, we come together, we play um, games and like, we're very interactive. So <laughs> that whole week of Thanksgiving, I was out of town and I was at my, uh, my aunt's house in another state. And during that time, I was just like having the time of my life. Like I hung out with my friends that live there. I, you know, was spending time with family um I was getting into the scene to see about some poetry uh some open mics and stuff like that. You know, you're shopping with family, you're getting ready for Thanksgiving, you're not thinking about you know like a non-relationship because you have to keep in mind all this time we weren't in a relationship. So, because she stressed that so much and she began to stress it even more when I hit the devalue phase because now I'm not, I'm not doing what she wants me to do. And she's not happy about it. Right. So she wasn't evil all the time. Let me clarify. Like she wasn't an evil person, but when she would just get into these like moods, when she would switch up, it w- it would always be like, wow, like you're really mean. Like, um, so I recall being in um the other state with my family and you know just not really checking my phone and at one point in time she sends me a text like why are you only responding to part of my text because what I what I do is I read and acknowledge what you said and then if you ask me a question or something like that, I answer the question, but I don't always say anything about whatever the other text was. And I, I understand that's like a bad habit of mine, but usually what I do is I acknowledge it later whenever I'm able to like really, really talk to you. Um, but I'll say, Hey, you know, like I'm with my family or, you know, like I'll give you a hint as to like, I'm busy, but I'm not, like, but we usually do talk about it later. But for her, that wasn't working because she wanted me to, like, respond to every single text individually (laughs) or, you know, whatever. Like, it wasn't enough to just acknowledge it. Because, you know, with iPhones and stuff, you can just kind of, like, leave a, a heart or a like or something. You can't do that with her. Like, you had to acknowledge every single thing and respond to every single thing. So... It got so bad, I guess, to her that one day she sent me that message like, why? Are, like, I don't think you're getting all my messages. And I was like, I'm getting all your messages. And she was like, I don't know. So she sends me a screenshot. And I'm like, yeah, I have those same messages. And she was like, but you're not responding to them. And I said, well, I, I acknowledge them, but I respond to your questions. Um, And she was like, well, why wouldn't you respond to the whole message? And I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it's just that I'm running around with my family. And you know, I figure like once I get you know stable enough to a point where I can actually sit down and read all of that cuz her messages would be long sometimes. I was like then I'll, you know, really respond to them. And she was like, "Oh, well, you should just say that. Like, I don't I don't like that, you know." And I said, "Well, I'm sorry." So, that's when it got int- it wasn't interesting, but that's when we started having these arguments where She would say something and it would like I started to realize that she could start an argument out of anything. And I could not imagine being in a relationship with her. Like I was already at this place where I was like, I don't know, because it would be so simple. And then eventually she was like Jekyll and Hyde to me. She could legit go from, you know, doting on me and and making sure i'm okay and being all lovey-dovey to oh uh, you know like this this long argument and it would be about nothing like one day like one morning while i'm out of town she sends me this message and we we kind of like go back and forth a little bit but it's not an argument like it's just like Oh, you know, like, oh, this, oh, that friendly banter. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna just let you have it, you know, because I don't feel like getting into it this morning because I wasn't even emotionally invested in that conversation. I wasn't upset. It was early in the morning. It was just, to me, I just didn't see the point in getting upset. And so that's when she was like, there's nothing worse than explaining your point to somebody only for them to just be like, oh, I'm gonna let you have that. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like something that, you're dealing with that has nothing to do with me and she was like no it has everything to do with you because i'm talking to you and you know like she could just turn that into this thing that it didn't have to be a thing it really didn't so we that went on for a while and she couldn't stand it because i did not want to submit to these arguments so i would just kind of like let them like slide let them slide over me and just move on um but she would always kind of bring it back up later or she would not bring it up and then wait like a week or two and the and then she would bring it up and it would be like, really? Like, you were giving me the silent treatment for weeks because you were mad about something so small that we could have resolved so long ago? Like, why would you do that? You know, that's, that is emotional manipulation at its finest, okay? Like, if you didn't know that's what it was, that is definitely what it is. So I stayed in this devalue phase for a good while, guys. Like, I stayed in the devalue phase for like three months. So November... Uh, And it's a slow process. You know, it's not like, oh, well, for me, it was a slow process. Some people, it might be quicker. I don't know. But for me, mine was kind of slow. It it lasted all through November. Like, she just started nitpicking at these different things that would upset me or she would try to upset me. And it usually wouldn't work um, because... Like I said, I'm just I'm not really one to submit to arguments and, and things that would really um take me out of my character. And one day she was just like you're always so unbothered. Why are you so unbothered? And I was like, "Why do you want me to be bothered?" And she was like, "I just don't understand how you could be unbothered about everything." And I thought that was interesting because it made me feel like she was purposely trying to get underneath my skin and it wasn't working. So, that's when she decides maybe, you know, like I'm just, you know, like we should I like you should come to New York. That's what she said. She was like, you should come see me um, and you can stay with me or whatever. And I was like, okay. And at first she was just like, Oh, you could take the train. And she was looking at train tickets because she wanted me to come straight from where I was, which wouldn't have been very far. And I was like, um, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that just because it was black Friday. And my family has traditions on Black Friday. And, you know, like, I'm not going to give it up, you know, for um, someone that I'm not actually dating. (laughs) I just didn't see the point in doing that. And so that's when we came to uh, an agreement that I would come, not the first week, but it was like that first weekend of December, I believe so that's what i did i came i went up there and um you know spent some time with her and i talked about this experience while um during the last podcast but this is when the devalue phase really hit me hard because Oh my God. You know, we talked, I talked about some of the things that happened, but one of the main things that I want to focus on, um, during this trip, other than, you know, her getting like irate and then getting upset with me because I wasn't doing things the way she wanted me to do them, uh, was while we were like, kind of like chilling at her place, um, we were playing like video games and stuff, and that was fun. That was actually like the best part of the trip to me <laughs> but because I just wanted to relax like I was tired, I had been going through a lot, like I just wanted to relax, and um we you know we were just kind of like watching movies and stuff like that on like the last day I was there. And I was attempting to just like make the best out of the bad situation because I could tell that it was not exactly, it wasn't hostile, but it was a type of environment that I didn't want to be in anymore. And I could tell that she didn't seem to want me there anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to make the best out of this. So I was like like oh let's you know like let's just watch movies and just kind of like vibe and like cuddle and i would try to like rub our arm and do things like that now mind you this is the same person who was very sexual and would speak very sexual things to me and would send me very sexual things all the time so whenever she finally, um, you know, like, well, not finally, because, I mean, like, we were involved. I'm not going to sit here in front. But there was this particular occasion, you know, like, I was just, you know, trying to, like, relax and just, like, caress. I wasn't, like, being sexual. Like, let me reiterate. Like, I wasn't grabbing for anything. I wasn't doing anything um, to her. I was just trying to, like, make her comfortable and just like vibe with her for the last few hours that I was there and she was just like behave like don't don't touch me like don't do that don't do this but like she was laying on me so it was kind of like weird like (laughs) so then when I left And I was actually in the car with a friend of mine and she started sending me these sexual things again. So it was kind of weird. It was like her controlling the situation again. Like, oh, you're here. I'm not going to allow you to do that. But while you're, you know, since you're gone now, I'm going to send you these messages and I'm going to send you all these things that I want to do, but you're not here to actually do them. Like It was a good way for her to be in control. Um, But also, she also gave me the silent treatment after I got back home for about a week, Um, like she would talk, like she was sending like a couple of messages, but she really was not communicating like she once was, and at that point, I was just kind of frustrated with her, I was tired of trying to figure her out, I was reminding myself that we weren't a thing, even though I kind of liked her, you know, know, I kind of liked her, but I didn't understand her, so at that point, I was just like, you know what, it's not worth it to try to figure it out. So at the end of that week, she sends, she calls me at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And she's on the phone, and she's just like, you know, I kind of feel like you tried to force me to do something that I didn't want to do. And I literally almost fainted because I could not believe. That was such a, an inflammatory and accusatory statement. Um, being that I am someone that has been through... Uh, that I've been through that type of trauma in my adult life. And I have been violated before. It really hurt my feelings that she could even say that. And she knew, she knew that I had been through that and I couldn't believe that she would sit here and try to accuse me of doing the same to her when I did no such thing. And it really, it just hurt me. Like it really hurt me to my core. And I found myself apologizing for something I didn't do. You know, I was just like, I'm so sorry. You know, I did not mean for it to come off that way. You know, like you, you you talk about these things all the time and you you try to do these things. The last time I saw you and, you know, like you're constantly, I was like, even after I left, you sent me pictures and memes of things that you wanted to do. Now, mind you, while I was there, we didn't really do anything. So, you know, nothing like that. I mean, you know, um because she wasn't even talking to me at one point while I was there like I I tried to hug her and like kiss her on the cheek and she was just like no so you know to go from that to on my way home you're sending me these very explicit photos and videos but at the same time later you accuse me of trying to force myself on you that is absurd And that was when I started to think, okay, this girl's crazy. Like, I got to go. And I started to realize how men get caught up in these things. And this was the deepest part of the the devalue stage. Like, she was really just trying to say that I ain't shit, basically. Um, And that I was trying to do these horrible things to her, and I wasn't. And anybody who's anybody that knows me knows that that is crazy. So... I started to pull back. I started to pull away from her. Now we're getting close to Christmas. And <clears throat> I talked about this Christmas being significant for me because it was ultimately the last Christmas I would ever spend with my mother. And, you know, I'm glad, like I said, that I spent that Christmas with my mom and no one else. And um, before that, like I would say, maybe like a few days before Christmas, my ex lover got sick. Now, mind you, I was there the first week of December. She got sick the third week of December. And she tried to blame me. Like, she was just like, well, this only happens when I kiss other people. And I was like, well, are you telling all yourself? Because I've been gone for two weeks. Like, what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and she was just like, no, like, I just, you know, I just feel like... You're the only person I was kissing and stuff like that And I was like yeah But I've also been gone for two weeks And you live in one of the largest cities In the world I mean If you are not kissing somebody You could definitely get sick at any given time Anywhere Because there's so many people that live there But she was you know Pretty much convinced that it was my fault That she was sick Because that was the only thing different in her routine At the time and i was just kind of over it (laughs) like i was just like bro like stop calling me because this is absurd but i recall her calling me again around two o'clock in the morning like i don't feel good like babe like i don't feel good you know and i'm just like well you know drink some tea like i didn't really have anything to offer her and at this point i'm kind of over her nonsense and i'm just over (sighs) i'm just over her (laughs) and i'm tired of her and we're not a couple. So I really shouldn't have to work this hard at just kind of like detaching from you. Like I should be able to just be like, you know what? It's a wrap. (laughs) So she, she was convinced like that. We just had a little rough patch and everything's fine and everything's cool. Like she wanted to keep me under her thumb. But the problem was I was never under her thumb. Like I was completely minding my business the entire time. Um, Like I said, I kind of liked her because at first, you know, I was attracted to, um, the fact that she was, you know, young and driven and well, I say young, but we were like the same age, but you know, somebody that was passionate about what they were doing and career wise and, um, someone that seemed to, to have some of the values that I liked, but not really, um, I realized that that was just her mirroring, um, what I liked so a lot of the things that I was into I wouldn't say she was really into them I'm not even sure she knows what she's into but as long as it was flashy she was into it I'll put it like that as long as it exuded or showcased you know money in some type of way she was into that so the the week before Christmas like I said she was she was sick And I remember her saying to me, like, oh, like, I just feel so bad. And I was just like, well, babe, like, just go to the doctor. You know, you just you just need to go to the doctor if it's really that bad. I mean, maybe they can give you something for it. And um, I said, you might because she was complaining about her throat. And I said, you might have like strep throat or something like that. And I said, that's the type of thing that you could really get from anywhere at any time. Uh, You know, I knew I didn't have it. So it didn't come from me. And she was just like, I don't think you understand. Um, You know, it's not changing the fact that it doesn't hurt or that I'm not, you know, feeling the pain or whatever. Just because they diagnosed it as this is that doesn't change the fact that I'm hurting. And I was like. Yeah, but she was like, I feel like I have to keep explaining to you that I'm in pain and you're not understanding that. You're not understanding that. And I'm like, what? Like, that's not what I was saying. I I get that you're in pain. That's why I'm telling you to go to the doctor. (laughs) And... I don't know what happened, but she just, I don't know, she just snapped then, and she finally gives her medicine, and they gave her some antibiotics, which ultimately told me that it wasn't strep, because she didn't test positive for strep. She didn't say what it was, but she just was like, well, I got some medicine now, so I'm good to go. So, <clears throat> after a few days, she softened up again, and um, she comes back around, and She's talking to me or whatever, but this is when she pulls the infamous, oh, I don't feel like talking, but then calls a few minutes later. She does that several times. Um, And at one point she's like, well, you should be thanking me. Like you should thank me because I'm actually calling you because I know that you want to talk to me. And I was just like, what? You're not doing me any type of favors. Um, You've been texting me all freaking day and I was tired of texting you. So whatever now disclaimer at no point am i just bashing her i want you guys to understand that i'm telling you this because this is what i went through and i'm not trying to paint myself like the victim because i chose to put up with this for as long as i did but I just want to point out that these are the stages like this is what you could go through. Thankfully, I didn't go through it as intensely as her ex did, I feel like. Um, But I'm so glad that I didn't. (laughs) But I want to, to showcase what it was like to go through this with her. Because I think a lot of people think that abuse usually comes from men and it can definitely come from women. And it can be just as bad. Actually, it can be a lot worse when it comes from a woman. Because I think that they're much better at being manipulative. And um, they're like masterful at it. So, fast forward to Christmas. And, you know, she goes out of town to visit family. And I'm thinking, all right, she's with her family. I'm with mine. I, I don't think we need to really talk like that. You know, I hit you with the Merry Christmas. Like, hope you're good. Blah, blah, blah. And she was super pressed about me that day for some reason, Christmas day. She just wanted to know where I was. Why wasn't I answering? And the truth was I ate Christmas dinner and I caught the itis and I took a nap. I never allowed myself to do that, but on Christmas day I did. (laughs) And, um, she was just like super pressed. And then she got upset with me because I wasn't responding quickly enough, which ultimately led to yet another silent treatment. And, when we finally did talk it was like New Year's Eve and or a couple days before New Year's Eve and um she kind of just straight up told me like yo like we're fine but we're not fine I just feel like we're not going to I don't I don't feel like this is going anywhere type thing and I was like all right you know I don't feel like it is either and that's when she started to divulge to me that she felt like I wasn't giving her the attention that she deserved and all this kind of BS and it didn't make any sense because again you have to remember this is a person that was telling me the entire time I don't want a relationship I don't want to be with you I don't want to go through that And so for me, I was just out here like minding my business. You know, I I wasn't necessarily just out here dating other people or anything like that. But I'm just saying for the most part, I was minding my business. And I didn't see the point in getting invested emotionally. But when you talk to someone that long, you deal with them that long. Ultimately, you do feel some type of feelings. Um, I cared, but I wouldn't say I cared enough to be in a full blown relationship if that makes sense so when she started pulling away it was just the way she pulled away it wasn't that she pulled away it was just the fact that she would do it and then try to like make me feel like it was my fault for some odd reason you know so at this point i'm just over it i'm like whatever we gotta end it it doesn't matter And now, my friends and family, this is when we skate right on into the discard phase. So, the discard phase is crazy, wild, stupid, dumb. The discard phase comes and hits you like a brick. So, I further, uh, I, I further, I worsened the devalue phase on my own by doing one particular thing. And that one thing was when I started this argument with her. I wasn't trying to start an argument with her, but it ended up becoming an argument. And we just were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I was just like, yo, like, I'm kind of so sick of this. Um, I don't understand what you want from me you know like you don't like me you don't want to be with me i don't understand why you keep trying to keep me in your space and that's what i ultimately ended up asking her if she was dating someone or not dating but if she was talking to other people um you know because at that point we had been doing that little dance now for like five six months and i just didn't see the point of doing it anymore i just didn't and she didn't like that I was pulling away she wanted me to stay in her corner and be exactly what she wanted me to be to her and primarily that was just being available and I was like I get that you just got out of a relationship not that long ago but I'm I didn't and I don't want to just be someone that's just waiting around for you and I especially don't want to wait around for somebody that's not even really giving me the respect that I deserve um so she would, she was, she couldn't wrap her head around that. So she would say things like, You, um, she would just kind of come back with anything. She would start these arguments and it would be really long and drawn out. And it, it got to the point where I couldn't even ask her how her day was without her assuming that I assumed that something was wrong. And communication just fell off completely because she just wasn't talking to me anymore. She just wasn't. Um, and, It was just, it just, it died. Like, it just died instantly and immediately. And I remember um, going out of town to perform at this really dope spot in Washington, D.C. And I performed, I did well. And that entire day before the performance, we were arguing through text. And um, I ultimately remember saying to her, I'm getting ready to perform. I don't have time to talk about this anymore, you know, and she was just like, good luck. And then after that, the next day, it continued. And I remember telling her, that's when we talked about her um, grabbing me inappropriately in public and her telling me that, oh, that I seduced her and that I, I brought that on myself because I talked about this or that. And I was like, Talking about something and having, you know, I've never talked about doing anything like that. <laughs> I was like, I've talked about fantasy things before, you know, I said, but it's not a fantasy for me to get grabbed in front of a bunch of children at any given time. I'm not even sure why you felt remotely aroused during that time that seems like something deeper that needs to be discussed in a lot of therapy um and it really scared me like honestly that's what scared me more it wasn't even that she grabbed me it was that fact that she felt anything like that in that environment there were just so many kids running around and that's really what made me like disgusted with the entire thing so when she turned that around on me and told me that I seduced her. That was it for me. I just I just was like, No. And, you know, I said, Well, since you don't like me, you don't want me, and you don't want a relationship or anything like that. And you also think that this is my fault, that you something you did is my fault. I think it's good if we just kinda call it quits. And she was like, What? I was like, We can just be friends, you know. And that's when she was like, Really? Like we, we don't have to be just friends. We, you know, we could be friends with benefits. And I was like, we can be nothing. We can be nothing. I was like, we can be friends. I said, but I'm not going to give you anything more. Um, Because clearly you don't have any sense of boundaries and you don't know how to respect those. And also I just don't want to waste any time. I don't waste any more time doing this dance with you is because you clearly just want to control the situation and that's not how it's going to work out. And, you know, she kind of got mad and, you know, that was, that. Um, then we didn't talk for like a week and that was just me just get ending it. You know, I talked about that. And the last one, that was me just being like, well, it's a wrap, you know? <laughs> and she hits me up a week later and she says, Um, I miss your presence and that's when it got really bad because I said something along the lines of you know you, you don't miss me you just miss my presence which only benefits you and she didn't like like I said people like that. They don't like when you come from a healthy background and you know your worth. I really believe that she just sailed in on me thinking that because of the situation I was in at the time that I was really this vulnerable and broken person, which I wasn't. I was just somebody going through something that you know, anybody could have a moment of of being low or being in a a bad space, but that doesn't mean that they fully reside in this brokenness Um, I think she thought she could sail in and be like my my savior and save me or something like that and I didn't need saving and once she realized that she was just like oh okay (laughs) and she started to devalue me at that moment and now I was gonna fall into the discard phase and when I said I just don't want to do it anymore um, she was just like what, Do what Like everything was fine Everything was good and I just feel like you just, you're just you just feeling this way because communication hasn't been as great. Like she would give me these like janky little apologies like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't really been around lately. It's just sometimes, you know, I, I get all caught up in my own thoughts. But, you know, like I, my apologies, you know, it would be a really weak apology. And I really don't like when people say I'm sorry often because... I I think it's kind of like half-assed usually. I don't understand why you're apologizing to me, Um, especially if you've done nothing wrong. Like, I do realize some people apologize a lot because they've been through some sort of trauma, and they say I'm sorry a lot, and I'd be looking around like, why are you saying you're sorry you didn't do anything but in her case she never apologized and for her to apologize during that time was really just her trying to save face and save this non-existent relationship so she was mad and once she got to that level of anger it was over and she discarded me but it didn't matter because Thankfully, I was already discarding her, (laughs) but she has not reached out. She hasn't said anything to me. Um, She hasn't popped up on any of my social media. And I believe what I did was I inflicted a narcissistic injury. It was kind of like a how dare you, you know, like how dare you say that to me. So when I did that, she was done. She was gone. And I like I said, I don't know. She may pop back up in my life one day. Who knows? but for now she's gone and i i wanted to tell you guys about the different stages because they're just so important now usually when a discard happens it's a lot worse than that but usually it's worse for the other person because they are codependent and that was the issue i wasn't codependent i didn't depend on her for nothing and you know her ex apparently depended on her like they lived together um, and she depended. She depended on her financially and uh, for a lot of other reasons. So when that ended, I think she got something like a-, a kick out of it. Even though she ended the relationship her on her own, I feel like she ultimately got a kick out of the fact that she ended the relationship before the other one could. Um, Even though there was apparently like some cheating going on and whatnot. But here's a fun fact. After it was all over and said and done, I discovered um, what she told me before we stopped completely talking that her ex had actually been, she had been involved with her ex um, maybe like a week before we physically met in person or or like the week we met in person. So it was like, she literally had one last go around with with her ex um, before she fully brought me into her world. And I thought that was interesting. Like she literally just jumped from one thing to the next. And even though it may not have been deemed a relationship, it was essentially a relationship. When you give someone that much time or you devote that much time to anyone, you are essentially in a relationship. And ah, uh, you know it is what it is, and, like I said, it was a wild ride. I'm glad it happened it to this day is the most interesting thing I've ever experienced because I've just never seen that look in someone's eyes before, like she had a very cold look, she had a very um controlling nature about her. A very aggressive nature and it was honestly kind of scary like you know I just laughed and brushed most things off because I didn't care <laughs> but for someone who may not be as emotionally strong I could see how that would rip them apart and like I said I'm glad I got out of it when I did but for people like even for her ex who was in that for five years, at some point she probably did feel very broken. And, um, I'm not like, again, I'm not saying she's a bad person. I don't think that a lot of narcissists or people like that realize that they are that way. And because they don't realize that they're not going to change who they are and they're not going to get help for the way they are. Um, So all I can say about it is if you realize that you are in the idealization phase, I would advise you to get out as quickly as you can, especially if you are codependent. And you really feed off of that type of energy. You need to get out as quickly as you can. Fortunately for me, I was just over here like, why are you calling me so much? But, and I think it for her became something like a chase. Like it was like a a challenge. Like, why can't I get you to be as intrigued by me? So you know if you realize that you're in the devalue phase if someone's disrespecting you they're calling you out of your name you do not have to wait for something major to happen you don't have to wait for them to do something you know crazy bad or extremely wrong for you to get out of the relationship i have so many friends (laughs) um and and Um, associates and um, people that I've met along the way that are in these relationships that are just whack. And they're just, they're, they're staying because the person hasn't necessarily done anything wrong for them to leave, but they haven't done anything right either. So that's something to think about. And if you find yourself in the beginning stages of the discard, oh, it's honestly too late. You're gonna get hurt. You're definitely going to get hurt. Um, For me, it was more like an aha, I can't believe, not like aha, like I'm laughing, but an aha moment. Like, I just cannot believe that people are out here acting like this. And when I have conversations with other people who don't realize they are in a toxic or abusive relationship, and they tell me some of the things that their partners do, I'm just really baffled. I am baffled by the fact that, you would allow someone to call you out of your name and you would stay. I am baffled by the fact that you would be in a relationship with someone that would outright cheat on you. um, And, and you know, whether it's with one person or a couple of people, I don't really care what their excuse is. Ultimately, they didn't respect you enough to honor your relationship. Um, they didn't find it valuable enough at the time to to say no. Um, so for me, it's just odd that people stay in these situations. I, I feel like it definitely comes from a place of trauma or it comes from something that they saw in their childhood. Uh, a lot of times when people stay in these relationships with people that do these types of things to them, it's because they saw mom or dad do it. And that's unfortunate. Um, I have a I I know a couple people right now who are in relationships with people who are definitely cheating on them and they're staying and they're trying to make it work because they've been taught that you make things work they've been taught that you tough it out they've been taught that you know relationships aren't easy but they don't have to be that damn hard either anyway the point is y'all really got to get out of all this toxicity and whatever the case stop bringing it to me especially if you're one of my friends and you are in a bad relationship and you know you're in a bad relationship i'm not saying that i don't love you i'm just saying ultimately if i if you've come to me a few times and i already gave you advice you just gotta know like i don't want to hear it anymore like it's time to go um i can't save you you gotta want to save yourself buddy anyways know the know the stages and get out idealization devalue discard thanks for listening